I appreciate you guys. Man, that bio is so funny. You crushed it. What do we think? Is the rain okay? What do you guys think? I'm looking at the tech team because I'm okay with it, but I'm not trying to mess y'all up. Uh, I'm also okay to invite you guys up here underneath this. Uh... Oh, look at that. Hey, there's my family. There's my family. You can see them right there. My wife says hello. Um, it does look like on the radar, just so you know, that it's going to be like bang and gone. So you just get to decide if you're in for this or not. You guys okay with this? All right, let's do this thing, okay? A night to remember. Yeah. Yeah. So pray for the tech guys down here because I'm just going to cut loose, all right? So um, a couple of things up front. One, I just want you to know I love you, all right? Now, I know you may or may not really feel that deeply, but I want you to know I am so grateful for what you guys do and what God's going to do in your life in these years. Can I ask all of you guys real quick to take your phone out? Is that bad? Can you not do that? Okay, well, I was going to give you my phone number. So, I mean, it's up to, you know. So, freshmen especially, I did this last year. You need a pastor in your world. I just want you to know you can ask me anything. If I can help you in any way, we're here to serve. Um, uh, I, I, this ministry, uh, the other thing that did get mentioned in the bio is I'm a Furman grad. Okay? So my phone number is, and you can get it from some of the team that got it, but it's 828-606-8406. 828-606-8406. That's my phone number. Text me and tell me it's you. And um, if I can help you, doesn't matter if it's something super easy and fun or if like you're in a 911 moment. If I can help you find a counselor, if I can help you find a pastor, I can help you bounce some ideas. Ladies, uh, I'll help you find a, a gal to mentor you. Uh, we've got some of our team here tonight. Our church uh, is here to serve like many of the other churches in this community. You are in a fantastic space. There are tremendous pastors in this community. You should be a part of one of those churches. Please hear me. Get involved in a local church, all right? Uh, it made all the difference in the world. Um, so I showed up at Furman in 2001, uh, was here to play baseball. God rest baseball soul. And um, I also got the privilege to play football here. Um, coach Hendricks was our offensive line coach when I was here. Uh, now he's back as the head coach. And um, I got here O-Week. Do you guys still do orientation week? Yeah. When do, when do they do O-Week, freshman? Is it the week right before you start school? Because it was for us. So I come to O-Week. Uh, I'm staying in Poti. Shout out. Ended up being in McLaughlin. But Petite was where I started. All right? All right, shout out. Okay. Go to O-Week. It was cool. Everybody called it Camp Furman. It was like, this is so strange. We're in college. We're in college now. Get my books. Go to class. Uh, first, uh, first day after uh, Labor Day, because back in the day we had three trimesters instead of two semesters. And I go to class, my 8 a.m. class. Get my syllabus. The rain's over, I think, now. Hopefully. Get my syllabus. I didn't know that you didn't stay on campus all day. It was so weird. I go back to my dorm. I'm back in my dorm room, uh, McLaughlin 200, at like 8.30 a.m. And I'm going, this is crazy. I'm watching ESPN, you know, 8.30. They cut ESPN. I'm sn snapping over. And um, my very first day of college, a plane flies into a building in New York City. And then another plane flies into a building in New York City. And then by 10 a.m. that morning, a plane flown into the Pentagon and that was my first day of college. So I say all that to say is I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on on the planet? 
Here's the thing I know about everybody here. None of you guys were even born, which is crazy to me. That was 22 years ago. 9-11 was my first day at Furman. And it was like all of a sudden, everything in life got really serious. Really serious. I remember going, man, I'm ready to go home. What is happening in the earth? Uh, everything started changing. I know you guys, don't, like you used to be able to go to the airport and you could just go to the airport. You could walk with your mom or dad, go right up to the airplane. You could do all that. Not anymore. Everything shifted. Everything changed. Everything changed to college. In the fall semester, I'm at McAllister Auditorium. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you the thing that shifted for me my freshman year at Furman. And I was talking to the Lord about that. Uh, what I should bring tonight, he said, talk to him about this subject and we'll talk to you about it. And I go to McAllister Auditorium, it's like November 2001, and uh, this guy gets up, that I'd, I'd heard his name, but I never, never really knew him, this guy gets up named Louis Giglio, and he preaches about worship. This other guy gets up and leads us in worship, his name's Chris, anybody got any guesses his last name? It was, it was Chris Tomlin. And uh, they talk about worship. And I had been a Christian uh, since I was, you know, in elementary school, but I didn't understand a lot of things. And I want to talk to you tonight about the thing that changed my college. And I think if this is the only FCA you make it to, I hope you make it to every one of them, bring all your friends. But if you're here tonight and you're like, man, what's going to change? I think worship specifically could change everything. Okay? So I've got a couple of points. I've got a couple of scriptures. And I want, to, I want to tell you some things about worship that I think will shift your mindset about college. Um, so tonight, uh, when we were talking about doing this, the guys at our Greenville campus, they were like, we'd love to bring crumble cookies. Who had a crumble cookie tonight? Anybody? Anybody had a crumble cookie? Me too. Me too. All right. Describe the crumble cookie. I haven't had one yet. I'm a, I haven't had dinner. So this is my dinner. Mmm. It's so good. Describe the cookie to me. What did you taste? Give me some adjectives. Come on, Furman. Sweet. Delicious. What did you say? Scrumptious? Mm, mm. What else? I need milk. Oh my gosh. What else? Describe it. Moist, crumbly. Moist. Crumbly? Huh? Rich. Like it's all, it's cream cheesy. It's so good. Did anybody not get one? Does anybody want an extra one? I can't eat the rest of this while I'm preaching, but here's what I want you to know. The, the point I want you to understand is that in the same way we value and worth and hold up and talk about, I remember when somebody came home and told me about crumble cookie. Like now it's everywhere. It's the fastest growing chain all in the country. Did you know that? We have one in Anderson, South Carolina, which is a miracle. It's right beside Five Guys. If you just want to ruin your whole life, go to Five Guys, crumble cookie, it'll be amazing. But it's like the definition of gluttony. Okay. And uh, I remember the first time somebody told me about crumble cookie. They're like, these cookies are amazing. They're more like cake than cookie. They like got a whole recipe. They got all these flavors. You check out the website. They change them all the time. Does anybody have a favorite flavor of crumble cookie? Kentucky butter cake. Somebody said cornbread. What? Is that new? I don't know that one. Who's telling? Is this you talking? Is this Emma? Okay. What is it called? It's just called cornbread cookie. Oh my gosh. Cheesecake. I remember they get talked about and people were talking about crumble cookie. And then I remember they put a sign beside Five Guys in Anderson where I live and it said, coming soon, crumble cookie. And everybody's talking about it. 
All the wives are talking about on the Facebook page in Anderson, coming to Anderson. My wife's telling me, they're talking about crumble cookie. When's it opening soon? It was like right off the back of COVID and everybody's like waiting on it to show up and didn't know how quick it was. They're talking about crumble cookie all the time. Here's what, if, if, please, if you want to take a couple of notes, I just want you to get a couple of things down. Number one, you were made to worship. You are a fantastic world-class worshiper. You don't have to get a degree to worship. You don't have to. I, I talked to a Taylor. Where you at, Taylor? Mathematics and econ major. Where you at, Taylor? Yo, I don't know where he went. He's here somewhere. I said hello to him. I'm so glad God made people like Taylor. Mathematics and e, econ. That's not my world. But man, I got a good accountant that you know does my taxes. I'm like, thank God somebody can do math. I was a major here, business major, until they made me go to math class. I said, nope, going to poli sci. Anybody else? Where am I at? Poli sci, okay, in the back, all right. Poli sci, com, double pre-law, hello. All right, that was my world. And it was because of math. Couldn't, didn't want to do math. So glad God made math. But you know what? You don't have to get a degree to be excellent at worship. Look at me. God made you from your mama a world-class worshiper. World-class. My freshman year, uh, Callum Allison can attest to this. His dad, Doug, the soccer coach, I came in with a guy named Clint Dempsey. Does anybody know who that is? All right. Uh, most decorated American soccer player ever, and he played here at Furman. Same year as me. I played baseball, shared locker room with the soccer guys. I remember going to the first soccer game of the year and watching these guys play. They were unbelievable. And I will never forget the first time I saw Clint Dempsey with a, foot, a, a ball at his feet. It was unreal. I've never seen anything like it. It was, like, absolutely astonishing. It was like God made him to do it. And maybe you've thought about this before. Like, if, what if you had like some kind of hidden skill, some kind of like untapped thing that you just knew how to do, that, that you just undiscovered. Like if you had ever spent time like at doing like painting on a canvas, you'd be amazing at like a savant. Have you ever thought about this? You just didn't give enough time to it. You didn't, you, like I wanted to play the violin when I was in middle school and my dad told me I couldn't. Said so that's not what, what little boys do. I don't know if any of you had that dad. I did. I love my dad, but he told me I couldn't play the violin because that's not what boys do. And I always wondered, I wonder if I'd be fantastic at like string instruments, but I never learned. Can I tell you something? You are a savant at worship. You are fantastic at holding up something of value, that's all worship is, and saying this is amazing. Just like we talk about crumble cookies, or just like we talk about restaurants, or just like we talk about clothes, or just like we talk about music, or just like we talk about that good-looking guy that you just have a crush on, or that good-looking girl that you got to, just like we hold up everything. Look at me. You have been designed to worship. I want to show it to you in Scripture. So you shouldn't just take the word of some pastor just because they say some words. You should actually see it in the text. So we've got some Bible verses. I want you to see this in the text tonight. So Genesis chapter 1. I think they're going to have some of this up there for you. Let me see if this works. Genesis 1. Yeah, very cool. This is, uh, this is known as the doctrine of the Imago Dei. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Watch this. So God created man in his what? In his own image. 
And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This doctrine is so important. I'm just going to pick on one aspect of it. The aspect tonight of the Imago Dei means that you were designed by God to be an exalter and a worshiper. God in Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in eternity past, are constantly magnifying and worshiping. And you were designed in that same image and likeness. It's why it's the most natural thing in the world for you to celebrate for you to clap your hands, for you to get excited about something. It's why if you go to a concert, like who, who, who's like your favorite concert? Like if anybody, did anybody go see Taylor Swift this summer? Be honest, you went, you went. Most, most um, money-making concert tour in human history. Did y'all know that? Maybe y'all knew that. Billions, three billion, I think was the last count, dollars that she has made in concert sales, merch, and economic engine. They're talking about it like it's changed concerts forever. Taylor Swift concerts. Now, when you go to a concert like that, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Like, I remember the first time that I took uh, my girlfriend at the time to a concert she wanted to go to. I had no desire to be there. I went because I was in love. It was a guy by the name of Michael Buble. Anybody know? (laughs) Now, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I didn't know what I was getting into we're in Charlotte. I buy the nicest tickets that I could afford on a youth pastor's salary. Um, I'm trying to propose to this gal in just a couple of weeks. She's about to graduate, and I'm going to propose on her last day of school. We go to Michael Buble, front and center. I'm like, front and center? It's amazing. Everybody's got, I mean, it's just vibey everywhere. I'm around all these people, and it, it, just, it just smells like excellence everywhere you are. All of a sudden, this guy gets on a microphone. I don't even know a song this guy sings at this moment in time. Backstage, I can't even do this. We need, um, you know, our worship guys to come back out here. All of a sudden, he goes, butterfly in the sky. Y'all know the line? You know how. And the whole crowd goes, you know how I feel. And all of the women, all of the women, I'm talking soccer moms. They just go nuts. The estrogen level in the building just goes to unbelievable places. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm just being, it's like estrogen up here. They come out and say, you know how I feel. I've never seen grown women act this way. Like I've heard stories of like Elvis or Michael Jackson, but I've never experienced it. Michael Buble in Charlotte, North Carolina, cougars everywhere losing their minds. Just being honest. Why do we do that so naturally? You know, you guys have a football game on Thursday. I talked to Coach Bernardi earlier. I'm praying for you guys. I hope you stomp them. Just flat stomp them. But you go to these football games. doesn't matter who you go. And you see absolute elevation and celebration. And people lose their minds at these ball games. You guys know we're coming up on an election year, right? You ready for this? You ready for this? Nope. People will lose their mind. I was at the political science department at Furman University. Okay? Nuts. Crazy. All the time. People lose their mind. Can we all agree people lose their mind over politics? They do, don't they? Why do we do this? Politics. Music. Sports. Food. You know why? Because you were made for it. You were made to worship. You were made for it. 24-7, 365, as a matter of fact, look at me. You can't stop worshiping. You can't put pause on it. You cannot push pause on worship. 
You can't because it is the, it is the way humanity, it's the posture of all humans for all of life. You're going to be a worshiper. It's who you are. Now, here's the problem, though. I want to point it out. There's a war going on for your worship. There's a war going on for your worship. And the reason there's a war going on for your worship is because this is my second point tonight is because you will ultimately become like the thing that you behold when it comes to worship. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but you literally begin to be shaped by the thing you worship. I want to show it to you in Scripture. First, I'm going to show you a a positive version of this, and then I'm going to show you a negative version of this. The positive version, if you're a Christ follower, here's what the Bible says about becoming like the one you behold. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It'll be up here. It says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being what? We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Shorthand. The very thing you behold, you become. You become like that thing. So here's the issue. If you behold above everything else, sport, success, politics, the significant other, then you're going to begin moving in the direction to becoming like them. And you may say, well, that's not a big deal. But I want to show you it is a big deal. And I also want you to feel this. If you're a Christian like I was when I showed up here at Furman, Jesus was a part of my life, but he was in the periphery of my life. There were other things at the center of my life. And that is dangerous because ultimately you end up getting desensitized to the things of Christ because you're really holding the thing in your chest that you're holding up. You can say you're a Christian all you want, but... Time will tell because you will actually begin to become that thing you behold. That's why the psalmist says this in Psalm 115. I'm going to read the first eight verses. Look up here. This is the negative version. So, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. Look at this. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not feel. Feet, but they do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. What's that last verse say? Those who make them what? Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Leave that up there for just a moment. I want you guys to really look at that. Have you ever wondered why the world has like been desensitized? Have you ever wondered why the world talks about being numb? you ever wondered why there's so much injustice that happens and people don't, don't care? Have you ever wondered about maybe even your own life? Like, why do you not care? Why do I not care? That's why. Because we've, we've got other things that are on the throne of our heart and we can talk about Jesus and talk about him being a part of my life and we can go to church on Sunday but if we don't have him as the ultimate thing that we're holding up in our life we will ultimately become like the thing we really care the most about which might actually be ourselves and and that Bible calls that idolatry like I know maybe you see this and like me you're going man I don't make idols out of silver and gold nobody does that anymore we don't have little idols it's not what we do Um, No, but we still do the same exact thing. It is the nature of the broken human heart. Um, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that the human heart is an idol factory. 
And as a matter of fact, because of our sin nature, we can't even help ourselves. We can't help ourselves but hold up other things because we're still worshipers. It's in our design, but we're holding up sport or we're holding up success or we're holding up accolades or getting our PhD or getting into that master's program or we're holding up the money we make or we're holding up the pedigree we've got. We're holding that up and we become like it. And so we become desensitized, hands that don't feel, mouths that don't speak, ears that don't hear, eyes that don't really see. So we're blind to the brokenness in our world. We don't go to the needs in our world. We don't feel the hurts in our world. We're numb. Do you see this? This is numbness. And if you want to understand why the world is numb, why our world is numb, why campus might feel numb, or why maybe even things in your own life are numb, it's because of this thing called idolatry, and we can't get past this design. We become like the very thing we behold. And I know I'm super intense right now, but I can't help it, y'all, because this truth changed my college. It woke me up. And on a fall night my freshman year at McAllister Auditorium, God got my attention. Oh, my Lord. Jesus was a part of my life, but he wasn't at the center of my life. And I want you to see this so that you can utilize this in your fall semester. Maybe, where are my freshmen at? Would you just wave at me, freshmen? Hey, hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Guys, you have so much potential. Like, what if you got this and you realize that God didn't just allow you to get to Furman so that you could, you know, get a big degree and maybe a little bit of college debt? Nervous laughter from the 40-year-old who just got done with it all. But maybe God got you here so that you would have him at the center of it all so that whatever you did, whoever you date, wherever you go, whoever you're in class with, whatever dorm you live in, that you would actually become more and more like him because what happens when we hold Jesus Christ, the only rightful one to be at the center of it all, what happens when we hold him up and we behold him? When you behold Jesus, then you also, like it said in 2 Corinthians, you become like him. You become like him, you feel like he feels and you speak like he speaks and you go where he goes and you hurt where he hurts and you see the brokenness and the hurting and you go to it and you speak to it and you help with it and you don't do it as some kind of just garbage virtue signal for others to applaud. You do it because it's real and authentic and you look like a shining city on a hill. And this group of people, you know what I've been praying? Like really, I'm just going to be as honest as I know how to be with you guys. What I've been praying is that Jesus Christ would use this group of people right here tonight to renew this campus. You know, this campus used to be a Christian campus. Used to. Used to be one of the core values of this campus. What would it look like for a group of students to get so serious about following Jesus that they put him in the space of center, They pulled him to the center of their being, that every decision that they made considered him and how this worths and beholds and values and glorifies and magnifies and makes much of Jesus. How your your football year makes much of Jesus. How your your, your communications degree could make much of Jesus. How, How your internship this summer could make much of Jesus. How your dating life could make much of Jesus. What if that happened, and what if, what if there was, I mean, God's doing something. I know y'all are watching this. God's doing something in the next generation, in the young people, the college-age people all over the world right now. He is all over the world. What's, what's keeping Furman University from being right slap in the middle of that? Not so people can go Furman, no, 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 but so they could see renewal and hope 
Because there is a generation that just believes Jesus is who he says he is. He's worth it. And they're willing to behold him above everything else. And let me just tell you something. You're looking at me? You will this year become like the thing you behold. You will. And by the time you get out of Furman, you will become more and more like the thing you behold. And, uh, anybody live in uh, building G right over here? G in North Village? Any G? G, G, G. Okay. All right. How about G108? Nope. All right. G108 was my apartment. G108. My four buddies that lived there um, uh, alongside of me through the years, they're some of my very best friends. And um, we were obviously there 20 years ago. Probably still the same carpet. I apologize to whoever's in G108. And, um, and they were praying for you guys tonight, 20 years later. Because God used Furman University for those guys to become some of my very best friends. We were all in each other's wedding. Three of the four of us are pastors, which is crazy. No, I did not come to Furman to become a pastor. But I'm just telling you, I want you to catch a glimpse of what God could do over the four years, three years, two years, last semester of your life in college. Because he, if you will let him, he will take you on the wildest adventure. You have absolutely no idea. Like my undergrad is poli -com. I ended up not going to law school, going to work for FCA at Clemson University and pursued a master's in, ready for this, construction science and management. The next thing you know, I'll become a youth pastor at New Spring Church where I now have the privilege of being a part of the lead team. And it's been the wildest ride, y'all. The wildest ride. And it's, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But, but I want you to understand something. Like it, it really is all about Jesus. And it really is. You, if you trust and put him at the center, it, it's not, listen to me, the lie of the enemy is that if you put Jesus at the center, then, then you're going to experience less and less fun. You're going to experience less and less good. That you can worry about that one day when you're old. And I just want you to know, that is a lie from the enemy. But if you will put Jesus Christ at the absolute throne of your heart, make everything about him, like repent when you need to repent, say I'm sorry when you need to say I'm sorry, like do everything you can to lift him up, you will go on the most unbelievable ride, the most unbelievable adventure. It won't necessarily be easy, but it will be worth it, and he will satisfy your soul the entire time. You know, I told you guys that a plane flew into a building that first day of college for me. And uh, I remember going into, and I don't know if they still do this. Do they still have the bookstore on campus? They still do that? Uh, um, and, you know, used to, you couldn't, like, buy all your books online and get all cheap. They'd get you. You had to come and buy the books from them. The man got you. And I remember going to the bookstore after 9-11. And uh, right there on the bookshelf, they had C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. Anybody read that one? Very cool. I hadn't. And I reach over and I get that book. And I start reading Mere Christianity the fall semester. And one of the things that uh, C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, this is a quote, God made us. He invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on gasoline. And it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. 
God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. And I remember reading those words on McLaughlin 200, the fall semester of my freshman year. And man, just looking back now, I just see, man, the Holy Spirit was so kind in his timing. My, my friendships, FCA, my journey, the, the, the pain that I'd walked through, he ended up purposing. And I just want to put all of you guys on notice. You need to know that God is up to 10,000 things in your world right now, and you might be aware of two of them. 10,000 things. He's orchestrating friendships, conversations, pain points in your life. He's navigating. He is sovereign over it all. And if you would just open your eyes or ask him to show you a couple of those things, you're going to be blown away to see how the path of your college years he would use for his glory, your joy, and the world's good. And it would absolutely, absolutely, you can either work with him in that or you can work against him in that. But if you place Jesus Christ in that center portion, you say, man, I want to become like the very one I behold, you will see God do some amazing, amazing, amazing things. You know, I mentioned this, but the real question is here tonight, just to put it before you, you guys are all smart. I mean, I don't know what the average SAT score is. They changed the whole SAT after I went here. But like, I remember coming in my freshman year and they're like, the average SAT score of Furman freshman this year is 1485 or whatever. And I was like, boy, I wasn't there. I was here to play baseball. You know what I'm saying? Come on, athletes, where y'all at? Okay. All right. You know, um, y'all aren't, aren't dumb people. But can I tell you something? So the question is not, listen to me, the question is not about our quality of worship. Your quality, your worship quality, phenomenal for the rest of your life. The question we've got to really answer tonight, and we answer with our lives, is the quality of your object of worship. That's the real question. And there's a breadcrumb trail that your life is leading and pointing to right now. I'll just, let me ask you a couple of inventory questions that have been helpful for me. If somebody was to look at your last seven days and the way you just spent your time and where you spent your time and where you gave your attention and where you had your affections, where would those minutes point to truly? All right. Now let me ask you another one. What if somebody could see some of you just like got one like this last couple of months, a checking account. I remember going with my mom and like co-signing on my Wells Fargo checking account before I came to Furman. Got my debit card. Now it's like Apple Pay, all that. Anyway, what would it look like for somebody to look at your bank account for the last year? And where would the prioritization of where you spent your money say, breadcrumb, 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 is the very object of your worship? Anybody like, uh, it would be Chipotle <laughs> or whatever. What, what is it that you spend your money on? What is it that you spend your time on? Let me ask you something. What is it that you spend your emotional affections on? Breadcrumbs. What is it that you spend your emotional affections, either really happy or anger? Both of those point somewhere. Where do you, where do you spend your emotion on? Like, where is that really pointing? Because what all of those things do, every single one of those points to a throne. It points somewhere. And it's not bad that we have all these things that we point to. If, in, if we point to maybe that significant other, it points to them. But in so pointing to them, you actually see the God behind it who's blessed you with that lowercase c created thing. And you give praise to the creator God. That's not bad. 
Like, okay, it's not bad to be excited about in your time point to, you know, you put a lot of time in with your, you know, your sport. Many of you here are athletes. I put so many hours in as a ball player, hours and hours and hours, probably collectively years of my life. In my 40 years, I put years of my life towards developing something for sport. And then all of a sudden, it's over. And that happens for everybody. But if, if that thing is the object, and you're not pointing to the creator behind that object, you, at the end of your days, will have this huge word called regrets. Or as we've all seen the meme, ragrats. You know what I mean? You guys didn't get that one. Okay, I'm, I'm aging out. Ragrats. Every one of us has something that our life is pointing to. And at the end of this semester, you'll look back, and it'll be over like this. You'll be done with, you know, December will be here, finals will be over. You'll be back home on first semester break, and you'll be looking back, and you'll have a chance to sit back and take inventory of your year, how it's going. And I pray when you look back, you look back and go, you know what? I was not, I was not perfect. But my year... I made the decision on that second FCA Tuesday of the year out there in the rainstorm with the crumble cookies and that, that guy that was, you know, talking to us about worship. I made the decision to say, I want to prioritize and make it about Jesus Christ this year. And that's what I want to challenge you guys to do because it's what you were designed for. As I close, I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures right here that I want you to see. Okay, here they are. The first scripture is John 4. This is a conversation that Jesus Christ is having with a lady at a well, and she's talking about worship. It's a very familiar passage, one of the most famous ones ever. If you watch The Chosen, it's a powerful passage. Here's what it says, John 4, 23 through 26. Jesus says, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is what? The Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And the woman says to Him, Well, I know that Messiah is coming. You know, the one who is called the Christ, the anointed. We've heard of Him. We've been, we've been waiting for Him for hundreds of years. And look what Jesus says. Um, it says, When He comes, He will tell us these things. And Jesus says to her, Can you see Him looking her right in the eyes and saying this? I who speak to you am He. I'm the one. I'm the one who shows you how to be a true worshiper, one who will show you how to worship in spirit and truth. The Messiah is here, and he'll show you how to do this. Paul would pick up on this same kind of idea in Romans when he writes his massive letter to the church in Rome a couple of decades later, and here's what Paul writes. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of what? This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You see that idea of becoming again? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Can I tell you something? Nobody can stand still in their faith. There is no such thing as maintenance in life. Every one of us are like a hot air balloon. Anybody ever ridden a hot air balloon? Anybody ever ridden one? Show hands here. Okay, a couple of y'all. On a hot air balloon, it's never static. It's always going up, hot fire going up, or it's going down when that fire cools. And if it if it's, feels like it's standing still, it's going down. 
I want you to know your spiritual life's the same way. You can never, maintenance is a myth. You're never standing still in your spiritual life. You're always moving on this side of eternity in a direction. Always moving. And you're always moving in the direction of the very thing that you're beholding. So I want to challenge you to think about tonight. Maybe you've got some friends here. You can talk about this in your dorm or you can talk about this in your ladies' small group or you can consider this one of your buddies that you came with from the ball team. What is your life really going to be about? What's your fall semester really going to be about? What is your, what is your time at Furman really going to be about? And don't look at me. Do not give in to the lie to let Jesus just be just a part. You see... Jesus, listen, he can only be all or nothing. All or nothing. If he's really Lord, he really is the anointed one, he really is God, the Savior of the world, then, then logic would tell us he deserves ultimate. He deserves my all. Or he's not really who he says he is. He's just a good teacher from 2,000 years ago. C.S. Lewis coined the phrase, the trilemma. And you've got to come to the conclusion of what you think about Jesus. Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or is he the Lord? You've got to come to that conclusion. So he can't just be periphery and casual. He can't be just something you might do every once in a while on a Sunday. Or you pray before you eat. Or when you have a 911 moment in life. He can't be just that. Because you either make the decision that he's not Lord. He's not. He was, he was a religious leader 2,000 years ago. I think if you really lean in, you're going to find that, man, you can't come to that conclusion. I remember coming to the reality that he cannot be compartmentalized and casually pushed to the sides of my life. He's worth it all. He is the Lord. And if he is the Lord, then I'm going to do everything I can to behold him. And I'm going to become more like him. And you are going to transform. And you're going to become more sensitive to the things of God. You're going to, you're going to actually become that city on a hill. That vision of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus talked about. I believe that's what's in the future for you guys here at Furman FCA. That's it. So I just want to tell you, look at me, look at me. Go for it. Go for it. Do it. Your time here is so short. Your time here at Furman is so short. Go for it. Sell out for that. Make it about that. Do that. Go for that. If you have questions about tonight, perhaps, making the decision to give Jesus Christ your life, maybe you've been around church a little bit, or maybe you've heard about Christianity, or maybe you just came with a friend tonight. I just want you to know, all you've got to do is ask Jesus Christ right here, right now, in the stillness of this moment. You know he's been prompting you. Just say, Lord, I want to put you on the throne of my life. He is a gentleman. He will not kick your door down. You will have to open the door up that he's knocking on, and you have to let him in. And you have to say, I want to make it about you. Forgive me and show me, and he will. And you've got plenty of brothers or sisters that are here tonight that will help you navigate accountability. You've got lots of pastors. I saw like, there was like 40 churches up there earlier. There's all kinds of people going to churches on Sunday. You could jump in, get involved, and make it all about him. Now, I'm done. I'm going to pray. But I just want to ask this question. With every eye open and every head up, is there anybody here tonight that as we've been talking about this has just felt like, you know what? I want to make a resolution tonight that this year is going to be about Jesus. This year, right here, right now, it's going to be about Jesus.
You know, Daniel, it's a completely different book of the Bible, chapter 1, verse 8, says that, and then Daniel resolved. He was like 15 or 16 years old at the time. And then Daniel resolved. He made a decision, and that resolution, it carried him, think about this, through four kingdoms. At the beginning, he's 16. At the end, he's like 90, and he outlasted all the kingdoms. How did he do it? He resolved. I want to invite anybody here tonight that's resolved to put Jesus Christ square in the center of everything they do this year to with eyes open, lights on, to just listen solemnly and counting the cost of accountability. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as a testimony. Not because you're perfect, but because you're saying, I'm all in. And listen to me. I would respect you more if you kept your seat rather than to fake it because somebody might think more of you because you stood. But if you want to go for it, there's accountability in this group here tonight. There's teammates that are here. There's friends and roommates that are here. And you're going to be able to call back on this moment when things get hard later in the semester and say, no, I stood up on that night. So I just want to, in the stillness of this moment, I want to pray for those that say, I want to resolve to make this year about Jesus Christ. I want to behold Him. Everything else... It's all second, third, fourth place. He is my all in all. If that's you, I want to invite you to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray for you in about 30 seconds. Your turn. Now, wait a minute. There's a lot of people standing. You understand you're going to have a really hard time dating this way, right? The KA smoker's happening. Everybody's going and invited. They still do that, right? Oh, the KAs aren't even on campus anymore, are they? The parties are going on. It doesn't mean you're not going to be around the social scene. It just means that you're going to have to do that different. The sorority thing, the gravitate function, the ball team. I'm going to invite some of you, if you want to sit back down, to go ahead and do it. Because if you're doing this, you're serious about it. This isn't games. You're adults. This is real. You sure you want to stand? Yeah? Yeah? All y'all are standing right here. Back here in the back. You sure you want to stand back there in the back, bro? You sure you want to stand? Sisters, you sure? You sure you want to stand right back here in the back? You two are standing. Are you, are you guys dating right here? You two together? Okay. That means you're going to have to date different. You okay with that? Okay. All right. Putting it on you guys. All right. Y'all are serious. All right. Five more seconds. Anybody else want to stand? All right. I'm going to pray for y'all. I'm going to pray for y'all and believe for it. And look at me. I love you guys and so does Jesus Christ. And he'll, he's with you. He'll help you do it. Do it. Don't wait on anybody else. Just go for it. Go for it. Father God, we bless your name tonight. We thank you for the rain that reminds us, God, that you cause things to grow. And Lord, I thank you that you're causing every one of these young people to grow. These college students, these seniors, these freshmen and everywhere in between. Maybe some grad students here tonight. You're causing them to grow. Lord, none of us are standing still in our spiritual faith. And so Lord, I pray tonight that you would show us what it might look like practically and tangibly to put you at the center of our lives. Lord, would you remind us and echo in our hearts forever that we are world-class worshipers. World-class and that, God, we will become the very things that we behold. And so, Lord, tonight, for those that are standing, would you help them to put you on the throne of their lives? That they wouldn't compartmentalize and that they wouldn't check boxes, but instead they would rather every single day put you back at the center. And, Lord, when they make mistakes, because they will, we all do, that they would be quick to confess, quick to ask for forgiveness, quick to repent and get right back to the work, 
right back to the Word. Lord, we, we speak the name of Jesus and the victory of the cross and the resurrection against Satan and all his minions and the idea of shame. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would galvanize this group of students. And Lord, that you would galvanize the conversations they're going to have with friends as boyfriends and girlfriends, as, as Bible studies, as roommates, as teammates, that you would be in the midst of them tonight, even as they go from this place, and that they would really go for this, God, in a way that is so tangible and real. We honor you, Jesus, and we love you, and we thank you, Christ, for what you have done for us, and we look forward to the day when we're all going to be together in eternity, but for the time being, let us not waste our lives, waste our college, waste our, our affections, Lord, but rather that you would show us how we prioritize and make it about you, that you would get the glory, we would get the joy, and the world would get the good in the fallout. We ask this in Christ's name. And everybody that agreed would say, amen, amen. Hey, y'all, thank you guys again for letting me be here. I'm gonna be right over here hanging out. If anybody wants to talk tonight about what it might look like to become a Christian or pastorally again, if I can do anything for y'all, we're here to serve. We're gonna sing a little bit right here. What song are we about to sing, man? Okay, Living Hope. Would you guys stand to your feet? Let's sing Living Hope, and then uh, we'll finish up. Thank y'all.